Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Very happy to be with you again today. It's wonderful to have you with us and thank you for tuning in every time. And thank you also for uh, the feedback you give us. And I'll encourage you today also to bring the Bible with you again, if you can, if you are at home. If you are in the car driving somewhere, just drive safely and enjoy the program today. We have um, with us... Um, a panel like uh, usual, but I would like to welcome today uh, Will, which we haven't got him for a while. Thank you f very much, Will, for joining us again. It's good to be back. Thank you. And also thank you, Len, for being part of this uh, program in a different seat today. But Len, you are very welcome to the program. Hello, listeners, and I hope you enjoy and learn from today's program. Lija, we enjoy your presence every time and thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank God for being here. Very, very delighted. And Brenton is our um, facilitator today. And uh, Brenton, thank you very much for preparing this uh, Bible study. And yeah, welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. And uh, we're looking forward to presenting God's word to our listeners today to give them some comfort, some hope and some encouragement. Thank you very much. And uh, Brenton, I will just um, hand the microphone right to you now and take us through this study. It's really a privilege for us all to be here today to be able to study this subject with you. Over the past few weeks in our Bible studies, we've looked at various issues relating to families. But uh, today we're looking at a subject, I guess, that for all of our listeners, they would have been impacted by at some point in time. It's called times of loss. Now, it's not just loss of life. It's talking about uh, times of loss of health loss of trust, loss of freedom, and loss of life. And they're the issues that we're going to be uh, discussing on our program this morning. And I wouldn't think there would be anybody listening today who wouldn't tune in and say, yes, I can uh, identify with at least one of those, possibly more of them. But before we get into the study of God's Word, I'm going to ask Will if he would be kind enough to pray because we really need the Holy Spirit to guide us in our study today. Thank you, Will. A loving Father in heaven, we thank you that our Saviour and our God will walk beside us in times of gain, in times of prosperity, in times of happiness, but also that he will be essentially close to us in times of loss. Yes. I pray, dear Father, that we may depend on you more and that we may take you with us into all of the experiences of life. We pray in the name of Jesus. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you, Will. The loss of health is, I guess, something that affects all of us. Some of us uh, have lost our health short term. For instance, we've had the flu. Uh, we've had uh, various debilitating illnesses that have passed. But there's another aspect to loss of health that's also very, very hard for people to to bear and that's chronic illness illness that seems to dog you day in day out night in night out you can't sleep you can't uh, get comfortable you toss you turn and so on and so forth today we're going to have a look at the issue of loss of health through the eyes of some scripture where Jesus was approached by various people because sometimes it's not only our, uh, not only our own health that is a concern it's the health of those who are near and dear to us, isn't it, Nick? Hmm. Whether they're husbands, wives, sons, daughters, whatever. Thanks, sure, Nick. Sure. You. I just want uh, to 
read a, a verse before we go into into that. Just uh, uh, from Philippians chapter three, verse eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I like this uh, this verse because Paul was um, really expressing his uh, uh, experience, his yes. walk with yeah. uh, with Jesus, mm-hmm. and he he wrote these words. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence. Mm-hmm. Of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. What a wonderful verse! It is because, mm. you know, Apostle Paul he experienced all levels of yes. uh, in yes. in society. You know, he was powerful, if you like. He may have riches. We yeah. he doesn't speak much mm. about that. Mm. But he considered all those things, and I believe even health, because he had issues with health. Yes. And even those things he considered after he encountered the Lord mm. and saying, you know, we'll come mm. to those things mm. maybe later on. Mm. He encountered those things as uh, not important. Yes. Mm. But the most important thing to know Jesus yeah. Christ and mm. his Lord. Mm. Thank you. Elaine, you had a comment for us. Well, I actually have a question. Is loss necessarily a bad thing? After a life of experience, we come to into agreement saying that every loss brings us closer to God. Every loss, any kind of loss, teaches us and we get experienced and is uh, actually is molding us. Molding our character brings us uh, closer to God, give us more patience and uh, is, mold, is molding also our love for others. Um, the way uh, we feel to uh, we feel with others, and uh, but when we were when I was young, I didn't have the same experience uh, with loss. Mm. But depends also when you ask that question, Len. What do you mean? What sort of loss you referring to? Because I, in my experience, very rarely I found uh, people talking about they losing their connection, for example, with God. Mm-hmm. Most of all, they will uh, talk about their loss in in um, materialistic things, uh, health-wise, uh, um, social, uh, and all those things, you know. But if we lose your connection with God, that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, a few years ago, while we were overseas, I was bitten by a tick. Mm. I didn't know it, but I got Lyme's disease. Now, Lyme's disease is hardly known in Australia. True. Mm. One of the effects of Lyme's disease is that my right eye wasn't um, working in parallel with the left, the left eye. eye. Mm. And so <clears throat> it was poking out to one side. And I thought, well, how is this going to affect me? Well, it would affect me in lots of ways. Driving, for example, I had to drive with only one eye open. Yes. And I wore a patch for a while, as some people would have known. It would have affected uh, things like using a camera, mm-hmm. using a rifle, which yes. I have done, and quite a lot of things. And I thought, well, if this stays like it is, my life's going to change. I agree with what Nick says. If we lose our connection with Christ, that is a very significant loss. Mm-hmm. But why I asked the question was this. I think that sometimes when we experience loss, it causes us to grow. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mm -hmm. Len. 
Can I uh, sort of act the devil's advocate here a little bit by saying, whilst I agree with your comments, I think we all know people who have suffered loss in the area of health that has made them extremely bitter people. Angry with God, uh, angry with doctors, medical professionals who they felt should have been able to help them or fix them, and it hasn't worked. Uh, I want us to look at our Bibles. Uh, I wondered if someone could have a look for me for the book of Mark, chapter 5 and verse 23. The first part where we're dealing with health talks about how many of the instances where Jesus healed people were as a direct result of intervention by family members or by those close to the person who was suffering. But I want someone to read Mark 5, 23, and I want someone else to read John 4, verse 47 and 48, because I want to compare these two verses, because... The comments that Jesus makes uh, in regard to these two instances, I think, are rather interesting. Uh, Will, could you do Mark 5.23 for us, please? Verse 22 actually yes, tells us yes, that it's... No, start at 22. That's okay. <clears throat> Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter... Lieth at the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Now can someone read John 4, verse 47, 47 and 48 for me. Lynn, could you read those couple of verses? What you find here is Jairus is a synagogue ruler, right? What is the statement that he makes to Jesus? It's both a request, but it's also a statement. The request is, please come and heal my little girl. She's on the point of death. But it's also, I believe, showing a degree of faith because he's saying, I know that you can heal her. And, of course, we know that the rest of the story, that on the way he gets word that his little daughter has died, in fact. And Jesus simply says to him, have faith, just trust me. <laughs> I'll keep going. But what um, Len's about to read is also someone who's come with a request for a family member, and Christ's response is quite different. All right. Well, I'll read from verse 46. Mm, I'm that's reading fine. for the New International Version. Mm -hmm. It says, Once more he, that's Jesus, visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When the man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Far enough? No, keep going. <laughs> All right, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir... Come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, and this is verse 50, You may go. Your son will live. Just as a discussion between our panel members here, what is the difference between these two? Both children are on the point of death, correct? Yes. Jairus' daughter is, in fact, she does die. In the case of the son, he's on the point of death. What is the difference? One case, Jesus came, put his hands on the daughter, the girl. Mm -hmm. In the other case, he was absent. 
yes. from the actual patient. He, if you like, he performed a miracle at distance. That's interesting, That's um, the, uh, the aspect of uh, the, this difference, you know, one to be present, because it uh, arises couple of things uh, for each one of us. We live in a very individualistic society where um, uh, personal contact is lost many mm-hmm. times and uh, that could be a really negative thing to, yes. to say so because we are so used to just to write an email or give a call to somebody. Mm-hmm. Myself, I choose in between if I can every time to visit a person, mm-hmm. to see their face. To In other see words, the personal contact. Personal yeah. contact. Yeah. The reason yeah. why, and I did uh, a similar thing just the other night, uh, just traveling to some place, even though it was not in my way, but just I want to see those people, and the experience sure. was amazing. Was now, yeah. on the other hand, when Jesus uh, gave us another example that says, if you believe, mm-hmm. if you really believe in me, mm-hmm. It will be given to you. And sometime we can, it may be hard to visit mm. somebody or even give a, a, a hug or something like that. But you can pray with them over the phone. You can encourage them sending a letter or a message mm. or something like that. And if you believe in that, that's almost the same yeah. with the same uh, efficiency. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, you need to choose in between uh, circumstances. I see here, Will, did you have a comment? I just, uh, when I look at these these miracles, I like to term one as remote control. Remote control miracle. Uh, miracle. <laughs> the other one is a hands-on miracle. Yeah. I'm grateful that God can heal from a distance. Mm. You know, sometimes you feel that you're alone, you do not sense his presence, and yet the assurance is there that... Um, seemingly, remotely, he can bring about change in your life, and that's encouraging Mm. to me. Mm. What's uh, what's interesting here, I think, is this. In the first instance, Jairus is actually expressing faith. He's saying, Lord, come and lay your hands on my daughter and she'll be healed. In the second case, what Len read, Jesus says to him, unless you go and see signs and wonders, you won't believe. Uh, It's suggesting to me that he was basing his belief or request on certain conditions and Jesus was really saying you need to leave your case totally in my hands. Those of us who are like Will and myself and and others of our panel who have had the experience of ministering to people who are terminally ill, what I do myself as a hospital chaplain and Will has also worked in this area, I always when I know that the end is near I just talk to them about comfort and hope and having Christ's peace in their hearts and um, I always pray a prayer and I say Lord please give them home in heaven and please forgive their sins that's all they really need to know mm. isn't it well at that yes. point in their lives yes and I think in doing that the number of times I have visited people subsequently and they said pastor I felt so much at peace after you had gone Mm-hmm. And I said to them, well, it had nothing to do with me, I can assure you. It's the peace that Christ gives that's, uh, that's important. So I guess if we were to summarise loss of health, we could say this, couldn't we? That we should place our case in God's hands. Uh, yeah. Lydia, did you have a comment? Yes, many times in, in our uh, lives we experience the same thing. We experience health issues, mm. any kind of health issues, and uh, I think this verse applies also to us that even if we don't see miracles, signs and wonders, 
our faith has to be strong and believe that Jesus, Jesus will with us is the right one because he knows our past, present mm -hmm. and future mm -hmm. and uh, his decision taken for us is the best one. Yes. Yeah. I think one of the great take-home lessons on suffering, <coughs> well, the loss of health, uh, if we experience it ourselves, it, uh, it has a powerful way of uh, giving us compassion and understanding for others that are hurting. True. And True. Uh, it also gives us the, uh, enables us to minister or help those around us mm. in in those circumstances more ef effectively. It, it, it's a big difference, isn't it, when you have been through maybe the same pain and the same discomfort that this person is going through. You can empathise with them at a level that ordinarily you would not be able to do. You may say the right words, but, but you don't really understand what it's like because you haven't been through it. Nick? And in both <coughs> cases, um, I believe they recognised that they live in a fallen world. Yes and they can't do anything for themselves. Yeah. They need to, and in this case, you know, they recognize Jesus as a divine, uh, you know, or a, a person yeah. who can sort out their yeah. problem. Yeah. And that's the uh, reality of life. Many times we running out to different things, you know, sometimes even doctors can't do anything mm. on mm. our health or whatever, family, friends, but God understands where we are coming from and you know it's enough sometime only to realize that you may need to change direction to move in a different mm. direction because mm. we as human we are influenced by yes. different things yeah. but sometimes God may say to us you know you need to do this sort of thing and even sure. guided you towards a let's say a specialist or mm. like a health, mm. uh, a health profession. professional yes. mm. yeah. thank you Nick Lynn. God's plan for mankind is that we be holy happy and healthy mm. and anything that departs from Those that really has it's not part uh, of God's plan. Uh, uh, no it's not part of God's plan but mm. it has a negative effect yeah. on people and also society mm. we're moving on folk to uh, loss of trust all of us I would imagine in life have had somebody at some stage that we trusted implicitly that has let us down in some areas. I'm not uh, asking the panel to share on air <laughs> specific instances of where they've been let down, but I think all of us could say that sometimes the people who are closest to us are the ones who let us down, and they seem to... Um, it, it seems to produce certain feelings. Can I just ask uh, the panel to share with us how you felt when someone really let you down? Will, how did you feel? If it's, it's devastating when someone you've trusted and loved turns around and um, betrays you or, well, does something that um, is, is hurtful. And it's very hard to, um, to actually survive, you think, after a thing like that. But uh, God gives you grace, especially we must learn to forgive. I recall that my wife's father lost his house twice and worked until old age to try and to make ends meet as a result of uh, conniving of a family member. It's really, it, it rubs it's off on the family and it's, it's tragic, hard to survive. It? it is. 
Yes. Did anyone else have a comment? Lane, well, I you? did. Um, I was in business partnership with somebody mm -hmm. once, and things were going beautifully. And then I discovered that this business partner was cheating. And my first reaction was extreme anger. Mm -hmm. Because when you put your trust in somebody, it's like giving them something of yourself. Yes. Here you yes. are. This is part of me. Yeah. Look after it. And you've abused it. And exactly the, mm. the, the exact words I would have chosen. Yeah. And so I felt angry. But I think there's something I'd like to take up with what Will has said here. You know, some people have nobody to turn to, and that yeah, must be true. extremely hard. Mm, it's true. And uh, I feel sorry when somebody has nobody to turn to. They have to deal with everything themselves, whether it's health, or mm. trust that they've lost but when you have God in your life yes. although you might be hurt you have God to turn to and it's yes. it's it's a great relief mm. the the worst part is when you are betrayed in, by your partner because I believe that um, the most trust that you place is your partner because he he or she is the other half yes mm -hmm. so, but when you are betrayed by your partner it's very hard to take in it's mm. like the end of the world so yeah. it takes a lot of time to rebuild your feelings and forgiveness yes and just to put it aside and start a new beginning mm. so i was in that position and uh, it's it was like a journey but I said to the Lord, and I was I was blessed that I had the Lord on my part, and mm -hmm. I I asked Him for healing of the wound mm. and start a new beginning because it's terrible to live on those yeah. kind of feelings and being hurt and betrayed and so on. Mm -hmm. But if you have if you have God, you are on the right path and you are blessed. Yeah. There is a comment uh, that I'd like to read. It says, rebuilding broken trust is like a journey. You must take it one step at a time. Nick, you had your hand up. Yeah, I just want to just add a little bit on what Lydia was just sharing because uh, I believe that it's, it's really hard when um, you are hurt from the most loved one. See, but is. there is a verse in uh, First Peter. Uh, chapter 5, and I'll just read that uh, verse 6 to you. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Mm -hmm. I experienced myself uh, the same situation when uh, I was betrayed by a, a close friend, and that broke down my marriage. But you know what? When I Nick, what uh, did you learn from that experience? You know what I learned from that experience? Yeah, that you can share with us. I learned f uh, lots of things, but yes, one but of the things which I want thing, to point out is yeah. this. You cannot live bitterly life just because somebody did a horrible thing to you. Mm. Because they will move on with their own life. But you and you'll, you'll die because bitter. of that bitterness and, and uh, you know and this is how satan the devil works mm. to it's it's sometimes it's called even uh, um collateral damage yes you know he will do something to somebody who can control that he may hurt even the children of god yes but to those people who trust in god 
they have an assurance that God cares about them and God will heal them mm. if they really trust in Him. The danger is that you can walk away from God through some sort of situation. And as I read in, mm. in this uh, verse, uh, yeah. little verse in, yes. in Peter, yeah. uh, God promised that He will exalt us. Yeah. And I learned, giving my life to God in that time, I learned that I could much easily go over that situation mm. and even not look to the person who did wrong to me as my enemy. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the thing. If some people are still going over the situation, yes. but they still call the other party like their um, enemy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very hard. Yeah. Nick, before I move on to Len, because I know Len's got a comment as well. One thing I've sensed in what you've said so far is that you learned in that experience to forgive yourself. Yes. One of the biggest things in life, uh, when we talk about the subject of forgiveness and forgiving those who are wronged us, a lot of people seem externally at least willing to forgive the other party for their transgression, but they never seem to forgive themselves. And if you don't forgive yourself, you're actually stuck in a time warp. You cannot move on. Mm. The other person has moved on, but you're stuck. Len, did you have a comment? Well, really, I was going to talk more or less on what you were saying there, but I'd like like to read the words (coughs) of Jesus. Mm. Um, In Matthew chapter 6 is the Lord's Prayer. And in verse 12, as recorded in Matthew 6, Jesus said, Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Then after he ended the prayer, he said this, If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. All right, that's a condition of forgiveness. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you. I guess all of us have had situations where somebody has done the dirty on us. They've broken our trust. And just as you were saying you can uh, before, you can bottle this up inside. And quite honestly, it's caused wars yeah. where people will not forgive. But when you forgive, you relieve the situation. It's like you take all the pressure out of it. Okay, I'm not enemies with this person anymore. And it just is a wonderful thing to be able to forgive. And then, of course, to forgive yourself. Well, I think as we study the Word of God, we can realize God forgives us, but we have to forgive ourselves. And and forget, put those things that we've done wrong, where we've Mm. broken somebody's trust, Mm. put that behind behind Mm. us Mm. and go forward. And there is another thing which we may experience Rivalry. rivalry when okay. someone makes you a rival yes you know you haven't done anything wrong to that person you just loved it and uh, you know you behaved beautifully mm. but the person just envies you and uh, uh, hates you I don't know yeah. for w- what reasons but you become a, a, a rival to that person yeah. and until I mean when you find out it's uh, exactly you don't know how to solve this you don't know how to to, unless you bring to the Lord and say, Lord, just you take this problem with you and solve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Thank Rebuilding you. trust, you know, takes time in every aspect. The more serious mm-hmm. the offense is, the more time will take. Yeah. You know, you can't just uh, ignore the fact that uh, hurt will be there and uh, yeah. will, will uh, affect you. But you need to patiently wait for the Lord to heal that wound. Mm. 
and Thank he will you. do it. Thank you, Nick. I would like uh, someone to turn in their Bibles to John chapter 13, verse 38. Will, I'd like you to read that one. And uh, Len, I'd like you to read John chapter 21, verse 15 to 17. We're talking about the loss of trust and the regaining of trust. So far, we've talked about the loss of trust. But here is a very good example in our Bible study this morning of the regaining of trust. And it's an example that every single person who is a Christian knows the story of what Will's about to read. Is it John chapter 13? 13, just verse 38 will do, I think. Will verse thinks, 38. Yes, where Christ actually makes a comment to Peter. Yes. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. What you've got is a situation here where someone, uh, namely Peter, who was always acting as spokespersons for the uh, the group of 12, was saying, Lord, I don't know about these other guys, but uh, I'm with you. I'm your man. <laughs> you can rely on me. I'll go with you to prison. I'll go with you to death. And Jesus is saying, really? <laughs> he said, do you realize that before this night is over, you're going to deny me three times, even before the cockers crowed? Mm. But now I want to lend to read chapter 21, because if we left it there, let's face it, the other disciples knew that Peter had let the Lord down. They knew that he, that he had denied his Lord. John was actually present when he was cursing and calling curses down on himself. John wouldn't have been far away. He would have been within earshot of hearing this. Now, it has been said that of all the disappointments and things that Christ suffered as he went to the cross, the obviously number one is the abandonment of his father or the sense of abandonment. But very close behind would be one of his key disciples who had denied him with mm -hmm. cursing and swearing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now we need to look, in order to balance this out, we need to look at what Len is about to read to us. So in between the time from when Peter did deny Christ, he must have been feeling absolutely rotten. I would think so, Len, yes. Because after his bold statement, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, and the first thing he did, he, he ticked off. But there was an occasion later on where all the disciples and Jesus were eating. This was after the resurrection. And the Bible says in John 21, verse 15, when they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? As he pointed to the other disciples. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John or Jonah, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead to where you do not want to go. Mm. All right, there's, there's more. But I find it very interesting. 
Peter denied Jesus how many times? Three times. Three times. Three times. times. How many times did Jesus ask the question, do you love me? Three times. Three times. Do you think that's significant? I think it's very significant. I think it's very significant because this is not a denial. This was... Um, a reaffirmation. That's the word, a reaffirmation. Mm, a reaffirmation. He started by saying, feed my lambs. lambs. Is that right? Yes. Mm. Lambs being the young in the faith. Yeah. Then he says what? Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Take care of my sheep. But then he finishes by saying, feed my sheep. Yes. In other words... The position that Peter was in, that you quite rightly pointed out, Len, and that is, he must have felt absolutely rotten. And he would have known that the other disciples knew that he had betrayed his Lord. He would have felt that he was unworthy to take up the responsibilities that Christ was about to give him. Nick? Can I just uh, <coughs> throw a little yeah, bit of a different sure. thing here? Because uh, we need to apply that to our lives. I think so. Mm. And to... To have a lesson to learn here. When somebody is doing a wrong thing or even uh, uh, losing trust in somebody, we are tempted to put the stigma on that person mm-hmm. and very hard to trust again or to uh, give opportunity to that person yeah. to come back to the position mm. he had even before. Mm. This is significant, I believe. Yes. Because if in our society today, even with a smile on your face, you can reject somebody who you think that is not worthy to be trusted. Yeah. But the problem is, and God is uh, instructing us to uh, sort out those problems among yeah. us. And can I read a verse uh, yes, right now might. in um, mm. from sure. James yeah. uh, chapter 5, verse 16. It's one of the verses in the Bible where people don't really like to to bring it up because it's challenging verse. Mm-hmm. It says this, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Mm-hmm. The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't like to uh, to confess to each other because we're thinking, you know, that uh, it will put us down, you know, our uh, uh, statue. Yeah. But, Nick, it's only unqualified confession that can lead to restoration and reinstatement. Yeah, explain a little bit, uh, Brent, and what you're saying on that. Peter knew that Jesus knew what he'd done to him because we are told in one of the Gospels, aren't we, Will, where it says Jesus turned around and looked at him. So he could actually hear Peter denying him behind him. And he actually turned around and looked at him. What, what Jesus is doing here, I believe, is saying, Peter, I trust you. I'm giving you the work of a pastor, the work of a bishop, the work of an evangelist. I trust you, Peter. Now, he had no reason, Christ had no reason at this stage to trust him. I want you to think about that. He had no reason to trust him. His track record in the past was not too good. And yet he he is trusting him. Is there something here for us today? Is there something that whilst we've been hurt, whilst we've been let down, sometimes the way to another person's heart is to say, yes, I forgive you. It's going to take time before the trust is restored to the level that it was before. 
but I trust you and I'm, I'm giving you this opportunity to show that you are reformed. Now, Peter, from here on, uh, the next we hear about Peter basically is the day of Pentecost, 3,000 mm. people baptised, etc., etc., etc. Len. <coughs> no, this is really a wonderful thing and if we would follow this when somebody has broken our trust, it would be very good. You see, Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to um, to heal the situation. Yes, yes he did. Um, that was gracious <coughs> on behalf of Jesus. Jesus could have held on to this, oh, he betrayed me, he's such a rotter. But he gave him the opportunity mm -hmm. to um, reform, rehabilitate himself. Rehabilitate, <laughs> yes. reform. Yeah. And I think this is beautiful when people give people who've wronged them an opportunity to reform and to reinstate this previous relation mm. that they may have had. Like you said, may not happen overnight, mm. but it's it's wonderful when we give others an opportunity to reform from what they did wrong. Isn't that what God does to us, Lee? How many is. times has he done it with me where he said, Brenton, you've stuffed up, but I'm giving you another chance. I forgive you. I want you to be more like me. I want you to live your life to reflect the fruits of the Spirit in your life. I'm giving you another opportunity because I love you. Okay. I was just going to come back to the, oh, the point yes. which I, I brought it up because mm. I believe personally, even though Peter didn't go to Jesus personally to ask him for forgiveness when he was praying and repenting he knew that Jesus will hear him because mm, that's a good point because that's that, that's why it's important what I I gave that example with Peter what he did and Jesus automatically he showed that if you say trust in Peter mm. again because Peter did the right thing it will be wrong yeah if he wouldn't uh, do what he was doing yeah. but because of that repentance and what this is my point sometime you cannot go straight away in between you and the person who wronged you to just sort it out uh, because it takes time but if you pray to God first that's the first thing that will start in your heart yeah. to the, the healing right, process the right, the right opening the healing process mm. in your heart mm. and then when opportunity comes yeah, right you opening. look to that person mm. from a different uh, yes. perspective yes. you don't look from the perspective of hatred or uh, you no, know uh, rejection no. you'll start to find a way how can I connect with that person because already in my heart I mm. prayed for that yes now that's a good point Will did you have a comment on this I think what Nick has said is, is true um, there does come an extreme situation in the end we must remember that um, there were two that betrayed Jesus yes um, Judas didn't repent Mm -hmm. Judas wasn't willing to change his life. And I wonder, probably don't have time to talk about it now, but what do we do with those that are hardened in rebellion against us and um, have broken our trust and there is no change? I think the indication is, is that we need to just let it heal by walking away. Mm -hmm. I think we should also still treat them tenderly. Yes. Whenever the opportunity comes, I think we need to treat them tenderly. There was one more comment I wanted to make on this before we move on to loss of freedom. 
Uh, there's a little statement here that starts abusive behaviour. Lydia, could you read that section for us, please? There's about five lines there. Yes. Abusing behaviour <coughs> is the conscious choice of a person to exercise power and control over another. It cannot be explained or excused by alcoholism, stress, the need to fulfill sexual desires, the need to better control of anger or any behavior of the victim. Victims are not responsible for causing the abuser to abuse. Abusers distort and pervert love, for love does no harm. So there is there professional treatment that can facilitate change in an abusive's behavior but only if the person takes responsibility for the behavior and seeks such help. To those who will open themselves to his presence, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly to keep to help abusers stop abusing, to repent of their attitudes and behavior, to make restitution in every way possible, and to embrace the qualities of agape love, to heal their own hearts and to love others. Mm, thank you, Ligia. Uh, Lynn? I find it rather strange in our legal system where somebody has acted irrationally and a lawyer represents them in court <laughs> and says this person was not in their right mind and therefore receives a light sentence. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that in normal life that when somebody has done something wrong to somebody else there needs to be a time when they have to face up to it peter faced up to it but he never said anything at first and jesus sort of went around a different way until he did face up with it to it but um i i just can't understand sometimes when the legal system says well this person was on drugs and something therefore not, not in their right mind mm. therefore they don't have to face the full mm. sentence mm. Mm. just one thing i would like yeah, to sure. to comment on what lydia was just reading a bit earlier that um, uh, victims are not responsible for the cause of the abuse, abuse. and they're not either. Mm. and i would like to just point out this that victims at some point in time can be abusers bef before they become victims you know what i mean mm -hmm. because a victim is, if they can victimize somebody can victimize but denying the fact that they were abusers at some point in time causing mm -hmm. uh, that you know i'm not saying that a victim mm -hmm. is responsible for the abuse not at all the abuser is mm -hmm. responsible yeah. but we need to think of uh, of these things all around because too many times we can create the uh, factor mm. and situation and the situation yeah. and and yeah. we can become victims Nick, i take your point but in summarizing this I'd, I'd make this comment as someone who's had dealings with a number of people who have been through these areas a person who is abused whether it's emotionally sexually physically verbally and often emotional abuse is worse than any other form of abuse a person is diminished to the point where they are almost a non-person and they start to think within themselves 
am I responsible for what has happened to me? Mm-hmm. And the perpetrator of it is very good. Uh, I'm not thinking of anyone specifically, but perpetrators are very good at making the victim feel that they can somehow contributed to Correct. this particular issue. Mm-hmm. 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 And that's why I'm saying that mm-hmm. we need to look also beyond because we, we are all facing these situations sure. in life and we need to see how can we also uh, minimize, mm-hmm. if you like, mm-hmm. the the hardship, the effects of, yeah. Uh, of yeah, those well, situations. Moving on to the loss of freedom, that's the next section that we're going to talk about. Interestingly enough, the material that I'm looking at in front of me seems to be dealing largely with addictions. Now, I guess addictions do lead to a loss of freedom, but uh, I would like someone to actually read First John chapter 2, uh, verses 15 to 17. Will, I think we're probably back to you again. Uh, because these texts, uh, interestingly enough, recently I preached a sermon on this particular subject, how Christ was tempted in all these areas that Will's about to read. And these are the areas that impact totally on our lives. Any aspect of temptation or problems that we have in our lives, addictions, is covered by these uh, verses that Will's about to read. Then we'll unpack it a little bit and break it down. Thank you, Will. From the King James Mm. Version. Love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. But the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth for ever. Mm. Interesting verses. Any comments on that uh, panel, mm. on those verses? Whatever you love, you become a slave to. So, mm. um, Would you use the word addiction? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, and things in the world are becoming very addicted to you. So it's very hard to get rid of it because they makes you feel uh, living in pleasure. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, also you, li- you lose your freedom becoming an, ad, uh, an addicted to the addictions, you lose your freedom. So you are the slave of the addictions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Any other comments? Len? Well, I guess first comes a habit. Mm, of course. A habit then can, becomes an addiction. Yeah. I once attended a series of lectures by somebody who had a very interesting photograph. And this photograph was... Um, of part of the brain or the nerves mm-hmm. where where somebody had practiced a habit over and over and over again. And it seems that the nerves or the nerves that carry that signal for that habit thickened with time. Mm. The passageway became much thicker and I was surprised to see how thick it was. When a, a habit has become really entrenched, mm. it's very hard to break because you, the pathway for that habit is so easy. The signals follow that very much. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And, of course, an addiction comes as a result of habit. Yeah. And, and what I would like to say that most of the people wouldn't consider addiction some things which they are really addicted to. Most people wouldn't wish to acknowledge, Nick, that they yeah, have and think an that's an addiction. They think mm. it's a part yeah. of life, it's something yeah. normal, you know, it's not an addiction. Mm. Mm. But the 
good thing is through the verse which you will just uh, read is that to realize not to be part of mm. this world and the worldly things because they will become very familiar to you yes. which will separate you mm. from God yeah mm. and but it can happen imperceptibly. Addictions don't just jump on you. As, as Len said, they uh, start with a habit. A habit can become an addiction. I mean, I have a number of friends who are alcoholics, people who ring me quite regularly. They're still addicted to their alcohol. I've told them many, many times that God can give them the victory over it, but only if they ask for it. But you know what? You actually have to reach rock, reach rock bottom and say, Lord, I can't do it before God can do anything to help you. Len, you had a comment. Hmm. And uh, Will after Len. I think it's very significant <coughs> what Lydia was pointing out, that when somebody is addicted, which means they cannot stop doing what they're doing, what they're doing. Mm. they've become a prisoner. Yes. They've become a prisoner to the habit. And we're talking about loss of freedom. This is a loss of freedom, rationality, etc., etc., Yes, thank you. Well, we, we categorize addictions as drugs and alcohol, tobacco, gambling, pornography, sex, even food. But you know, there is one very, very dangerous addiction which uh, pervades all society today, and that's the addiction to electronic media. That's a good point. Will. Gaming and uh, social media. Um, it's becoming a real big problem without with our children in schools mm -hmm. and uh, the, um, the being glued to devices and so on and I think that these could form quite an addiction which uh, would be difficult to break. Uh, agreed. And uh, also in our homes children and youth and um, even we as a family we become addicted to the television so television becomes an altar uh, in our families that we all gather together around and dinner time you know and watching TV and we cannot we just cannot control to me television it's a waste of time and uh, it depletes you from the connection uh, with the Lord because mm. everything whatever is there yeah. and they put on the plate is just disappointment mm. and negativeness sure. Sure. Nick? I just want to hit the nail on the head here as one as I used to be addicted to some things and I'll just bring one example um, I could not give up smoking at some point in my life. And not that I really liked it to smoke. You know, I was starting smoking because yeah. of, uh, um, how you call that? Social. Peer pressure or... Uh, Peer pressure. Or, and I find out that I am addicted. I cannot give it up. I tried for a year not to buy any cigarettes and to smoke. And all my friends were so kind to give me cigarettes and continue to smoke for one year, not buying cigarettes. Until I came to the realization that I cannot get out of that on my own. Because that's the problem with addiction. Sometimes you're thinking, yes. oh, uh, you I will do something. I can stop yeah. it. I can stop it. I went to God in prayer like never before mm. about anything else. And I said, Father... Dear Lord, you know my struggle, and I know that you can take it away from me. And you know what? Even though before I tried to put in the calendar dates when I gave up smoking to tell, you know, people who, you know, I never remember those ones because it never happened. Mm. But when I pray to God, instantly, it may, in my case, yeah. 
I had the you victory. Had the victory over it. I had the victory over it, Praise and I Lord, never Nick. touch again yeah, a cigarette. That's wonderful. And I will encourage people to, may not happen like in my case, you know, mm. just like that, but give it to the one who can deal with that situation. And give you the victory. And give you the victory. Mm. Okay. Loss of life is the last one we're going to look at. I guess some people would have said maybe that should have been the first one. <laughs> but it's uh, the one that we're looking at as we close our study for today. There's a text in First Corinthians 15 verse 26. I wondered, Len, if you could read that one for us, please. Before Len starts, let me just make this comment, because some of you, uh, I think everyone here has been to probably many funerals, and sometimes I have been to funerals where it has almost been presented by the person who's taking the funeral as though death is some sort of friend. But I want Len to read what the Bible actually says about the subject of death. Well, it's a very short it is, passage, isn't it? 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty six. It says, The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Does that tell you that death is a friend? <laughs> no. It says the last enemy to the be last enemy to be destroyed is death. Yeah. Well, I was moved this week when I read about uh, Charmaine McLeod dying with her four children. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, um, the, the, poor, the woman in Queensland. Yes, mm. um, they were um, aged <coughs> six, five, four, and two. Yeah. And um, I know that when the father received the call that none of his family are coming home, the reality of death, being an enemy, is very real in cases like this. Very stark. And, you know, um, everyone I've spoken to about this just respond in absolute horror. It's a terrible experience to go through. Loss yeah. of life is one of the worst losses ever. Yeah, yeah. And it hits you at various times, doesn't it? You know, we could talk about the grieving process. We haven't got the time to talk about the grieving process because everyone processes grief differently. You can't say that everyone's going to go through these stages at this time. But uh, we all deal with it differently. Len, you had a comment, and then I'm going to read a text that will give us comfort to finish with. I guess most people (coughs) regard life as their most precious possession. Mm -hmm. I have observed that most people, when they go to their death, don't go to it pleasantly. It's it's a horrible experience, even if it's old age. And often when people reach old age, they're sick, their bodies don't function properly properly anymore, anymore, and their minds sometimes. It's not a nice experience at all. So... I can uh, accept that the that death, or at least what's leading up to death, is a real enemy. Yes, yes. Um, I would like someone to read Revelation 21 verse 4. Nick, could you read Revelation 21 4? All of us have stood around an open grave and probably had a minister or somebody who's conducting the, uh, the funeral service read this text, either within the church the funeral chapel, around the graveside, or whatever. But this is what we want to leave with our listeners for today because this is one of the great texts in the Bible, in my opinion. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. Yes, Brenton. Verse 4 says this, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. 
Is that good news? Very good news, Brenton. And if I could just who's very do, briefly... Who's doing the wiping away? God himself. Yeah. Yeah, God but himself. if I could just very quickly mention this, as everyone was sharing about the horrible fact of experiencing death on this mm-hmm. li- in this life and how uh, difficult it is to deal with that. Because of our daily routine and, and the sinful nature we live in, we are going to lose eternal life. Mm. And in manage the grief mm. which God is experiencing when he sees yes. that we are not doing anything. Now, the thing is that we may not be able to do anything to spare us mm. from the physical yeah. death. Mm-hmm. But we can do something, it's in our own power, yeah. to give our life to God, to, yes. s- to sort it out, yeah. uh, you know, yes. our life, and we may have everlasting yeah. life. That's, mm. it. That's important, yeah. actually, mm. the, when you That's look at the conference. Isn't it good news, though, in summarizing that um, the one who created us is going to be the one who wipes away our tears? Mm. And it's almost like Will on a computer pressing control alt delete that's right moving on it's time for us to stop um len i wondered if you could close with prayer for us please father in heaven <clears throat> i'm sure everybody who's listening to this program today has experienced loss of some kind mm. and it's not very nice but lord we recognize too that you have a plan for everybody who accepts jesus as their savior and lives a life abiding in you, that there's a time coming when there will be no loss. Yes. That everything will be made new, and that life will be what it should be. Yes. Where we will be holy, happy, and healthy. And I, as one, Lord, look forward to this time. Yes. And also that during that time I can experience a close intimate relationship with the God who I love and I pray that this will be the experience of each person on this panel and our listeners too in Jesus name we pray this mm. Amen. Amen. Amen thank you very much for uh, being part of this uh, Bible study today and to anyone who's listening today I would like to say something if you experience in your life any sort of loss or loss of trust, loss of health, loss of whatever it's in your life, there is hope. And please don't uh, leave it there and just walk away from it. If you like to contact us, we'll be very happy to, to support. And there are various means in which you may find help. Please don't hesitate to contact us if you go through some hardship, difficult time in your life. May God bless you. And have a wonderful walk with Jesus. Until next time.